Hello and welcome to Series 2 of The Drawing Board. I'm Monita Rajpal. Every single one of us has a story worth telling. It's that story that shapes who we are at home and what we bring to our work every single day. It's in the details where we discover the moments that shaped us, the people who inspired us, and the choices that changed the course of our lives. When we start to get to know people on a deeper level, there is an appreciation for all that they bring to the table. So what better way to understand what separates WATG from the rest than to get to know the extraordinary talent that make WATG the world-class architecture and design firm that it truly is. Plus, we have some fun along the way. My guest this week is Sean Harry. With a big smile and an all-American openness, Sean exudes curiosity, kindness, and love for his work. As managing principal of digital design, Sean brings a wealth of experience and love for technology to the over 100 global projects in his portfolio. So what brought a kid from the cornfields of Ohio to a global architecture and design firm? And how has his love of science fiction helped to inspire his passion for futuristic concepts? Sean joins me from WATG Studio in Irvine, California. Sean, thank you so much for being here. I want to start out by asking, what brought you to this profession? Yeah, it's a great question. Yeah, I think for me, I grew up in Ohio, uh, on the outskirts of Cleveland, Ohio, and uh, a lot of cornfields there. Grew up with uh, Legos, like many, many other children who eventually move into architecture. Uh, also, too, my great-grandfather from Buffalo, New York, owned a contracting company, uh, used to build houses. And so I was brought up in an area where there was construction going on and, and making uh, with your hands. So it was sort of a natural progression uh, into architecture for me. How did that influence or shape how you saw the world? Well, you know, super interesting because growing up in America, at least this is what I found out much later, right? Um, growing up in America, especially in middle America, in Ohio like that, your lens is, is super narrow. And so you're so focused on yourself and the small world that you live in. But also in that instance, there's the opportunity uh, to think about what else is out there, what's beyond the borders and just the lens that I have here. So that always inspired me, that sort of fantasy of thinking what else is out there in the world. And my father had traveled for work. He's a businessman. And so he was really into travel, uh, into sales all over the United States uh, and sometimes outside of the United States. So I always saw him getting up and going and moving and coming back and with all these interesting stories and he would bring back books and things like that. So yeah, I was, I was exposed to sort of travel and, and different lenses, I think early on in life, even though I was in this small area and wanted to break free, I, I mm. felt like, you know. When I was a kid, you know, I, I also wanted to travel. I wanted to see and experience so many different things. I guess the prevailing feeling was I always just wanted to get out, just wanted to get out and do stuff. And as I got older and I did all of that stuff, and then when I had my own kid, I thought I want to have a more have a simpler life. I want to reel it back a little bit. Is that kind of this is that kind of similar in the way you think see things? Oh, absolutely. You know, is is actually um 
coming to WTG and working here for, for such a long period of time, a lot of my mentors were traveling constantly. It's a big thing with our company with, with international uh, hotel design. And it was actually, it was a concern of mine, uh, you know, the amount of travel and potentially starting a family. But as technology advanced, we found ourselves traveling a little bit less because we could join video conference calls and the clients you know, were open to us, not necessarily having to physically be there every single time we gave a presentation. And then COVID just completely amped that up. And so you know, now we're able to do site visits and site tours with drones that clients have out there and a video conference calls. So that's drastically changed our ability to see the world um, without necessarily having to, to be there. But I will say in that instance, being there, nothing replaces physically being there and, and shaking hands of people and talking to people and feeling the sight, sensing the sight, smelling the sight. Mm. So that's always going to be necessary. We just don't necessarily have to do it every single month when we're doing a presentation, which I think is helpful, uh, more of a benefit to having a family. It's interesting. I mean, you mentioned the pandemic in this very much a, a technology driven world. What have you seen in terms of how we live today and what our needs are? Because when we were locked down, everything got really pared down, didn't it, to what we what we really needed in our life. And a lot of people started to think about how they wanted to live. How has that shaped or how has that influenced your work today? It's a great question and one that I've, I continually think about a lot, frankly. You know, for me, when the pandemic started, and I have two young children uh, who are now 10 and 8, my daughter's 10 and my son is 8, and two years ago, you know, three years ago, being very young, I didn't realize how much I was missing on a daily basis, to be honest with you, you know, coming into an office 40 or plus, 40 plus hours a week, and being home actually made me realize, you know, frankly, how much my wife does uh, for our children at home. And she works too as a photographer, which is even more complicated. So really opened my eyes to how much I was missing and thinking about that in terms of work-life balance uh, a little bit more, which all of us are having those discussions. Uh, the great thing is, is that now we can have this hybrid work environment where we can easily connect uh, from home and work from home. And I think in my work, what it started to really change is, is thinking about these different lifestyles mm -hmm. uh, that, we're, that we're living and the influence of technology. It's one of the things that, um, you know, moving into more of a technology leadership role in our company overall, and not just on how we deliver projects, design projects, and collaborate with consultants or clients, but also the guest experience of how technology has influenced their lives mm -hmm. uh, and you know, how that's going to influence the hotels of the future, the experiences of the future. I think it's super important to keep our eye on that and always be self-referential in terms of how we experience the world and the things that are changing us in our daily lives. We're also looking at spaces as being multi-purpose, right? Because of the fact that we our homes are now offices as well. I guess the way you design too, has that evolved in terms of having that kind of focus where spaces need to evolve as well and fit an ever-changing need? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this has actually been something I've been thinking about since my uh, graduate thesis uh, when I was doing my Master of Architecture. 
I was really intrigued, and this is a couple of decades ago now, but very intrigued by flexible space. One of the things that I've always found interesting about hotels is the amount of space that potentially goes unused throughout the course of a day, specifically when you're talking about meeting rooms or, or ballrooms, um, places and spaces like that. So I've always thought of different use cases and how these could be multi-purpose uh, sort of spaces and flexible spaces. And in fact, a lot of the hotel brands that we work with and clients that we work with are looking to minimize the amount of space and the impact on the environment, the amount of building that they're constructing. And so these are definitely discussions that we're having of how we can start to combine different uses or various uses into you know, one building space. What kind of questions do you think need to be asked today more than ever before? Or what kind of conversations do you believe need to be had today? Yeah, you know, I think there's there's so many different emerging technologies that we're talking about. So on the one hand, we as architects are having these discussions now about how AI is going to be changing the landscape of how we deliver projects and how we design projects, the positives and negatives of that. Um, so I think some of the questions there need to be asked, you know, the importance of design technology and how we design and the influence of it. I've always been a big practitioner of taking on emerging technologies and using those, but still I feel that we need to be able to control those and the human condition and the influence of our human mindset when we design spaces. So I think that's super important. A lot of questions surrounding that right now. And then also too, being able to provide unique experiences for people to be able to reconnect with themselves and their families when they're on vacations and, mm -hmm. and their friends as well. Connecting with the environment, I think is hugely important. So this balance between technology and then nature and environment, really polarizing uh, effects and various projects that, that I currently work on have both and, and many questions surrounding both. But I think you can harness technology to be able to provide better experiences in both. What do you love about your job? Oh, just being able to interact with different people. And mentorship at this stage in, in my career is, is just huge for me. I, I've always felt that architecture still is sort of uh, an, apprentice, an apprenticeship profession. Uh, we do learn a lot uh, at university, but experience pays dividends. And if you're able to find great mentors in our profession, who take you under their wing, which I've been very fortunate and eager as well to seek out those mentors, you know, super important to be able to have a flourishing career. And so at this stage, I'm really trying to pass down as much knowledge and information that I have. So yeah, super, super important to me. How do you keep being hungry, but also not tire yourself out? Well, I mean, the, the and this is one of the reasons why I've been working with WATG and, and Wimberley Interiors for so long is that Every And this is quite literally, every single project is different. Mm. Uh, and that's what I love about hotels is every site is different. And we range from super boutique resorts on private islands to uh, dense urban hotels and mixed use environments. And every team is different. And we have repeat clients, which are great too. And every single project that you have with a repeat client, you'll learn something new. So I feel like I'm continuously learning mm. from everyone around me and from the different locations that we work in. That's what keeps me really excited. 
And then also the influence of other sort of industries uh, within, you know, architecture, engineering, and construction. It does take a long time for projects to eventually get built. Being able to manage that sort of length of project stay and and having the um, the discipline uh, to maintain throughout long projects, I think uh, is actually really a benefit because you've worked so hard in the early stages to design something and build something and then eventually seeing it come to fruition and seeing people use it, the occupancy, the users of the space and how they enjoy it, I, that keeps you driving to the next project and the next long project. You know, I'm curious, when your kids ask you, daddy, what do you do? How do you explain that to them? How do you oh describe? Oh my gosh, well, yeah, you know, it's interesting. Um, <laughs> well, at first, when they were pretty young, it was, um, you know, we used to build sand castles and build with Legos and things like that. It was funny um, because actually just yesterday, I don't know if you've ever heard of a, a, a program called Roblox. Um, oh, yes. But uh, my kids are big into Roblox and my daughter um, has already taken some interior design classes at the age of 10. So just wow. yesterday, she was actually in a 3D software program building her own characters in Roblox that maybe even more advanced than what I'm doing <laughs> digitally <laughs> right now. And so I'm already learning from my 10 year old wow. uh, on wow. technology and design and construction. And uh, so it's pretty interesting to say that. So she's telling me, um, educating me on, um, you know, what I do, uh, yeah. frankly, yeah. Uh, which is pretty fascinating. So, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, my my kids into that too. I guess I won't be too mad at him now when he's on it on his, <laughs> you know, on it for like the third hour of the day. <laughs> yeah, I can't. Im- I I really can't imagine when I think about what she's doing and I see mm-hmm. how easy my children are to grasp virtual worlds and three dimensional worlds and just software intuitively. What they're going to be doing in ten years yeah. when she's yeah. at university. Uh, it's pretty unbelievable to think about. I know. Speaking of kids, what kind of a kid were you? <laughs> well, I may have a different version than what my parents, uh, <laughs> you know, saw, but I think I was super adventurous, always outside. I don't remember myself being inside too much, except you know, growing up in in uh, the Midwest. Obviously, the colder months, I was inside, uh, exploring and creating. My brother's a, a writer. And so we used to create stories a lot inside and also outside, but I would say adventurous and kind-hearted, I would say. My mother tells me that actually now that I'm a little bit older, but yeah, just adventure anywhere. I saw it around the corner. I was always into it, taking risks and, you know, stepping out there. So super imaginative. And I guess that kind of really helps in the work that you do today. I mean, the reason why I ask what were you like as a kid or, you know, what kind of toys did you play with? I, I do believe that those early influences do shape us in some way. It doesn't necessarily mean that a kid's going to be an architect or a designer or or a writer if they based on what they play with, but it does have an impact. It does have an influence on how they think. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because even when I've been designing three-dimensionally, I'll have a recall of something in my childhood that I was dreaming about. I love science fiction. I love space. I had space Legos and wanted to be an astronaut, you know, first, I I guess how many children don't want to be astronauts. I don't know. Um, (laughs) uh, But, uh, 
but yeah, that recall that I have, it's almost sometimes when you're designing a childish uh, reflex of fantasy to realization, quite frankly, it's nice to be able to have that ability with the types of projects that we work on, because that's what clients come to us for is imagination and something new and different that other people haven't experienced before. So I landed at quite a good spot to be able to have those childish realizations sort of come true. It's so true. You mentioned you mentioned your granddad. Who else would you say was the biggest influence in your life? Oh, wow. Yeah, I definitely, I have to say both of my parents, for sure. They really steered me in so many good directions on decision-making mm-hmm. uh, when I was young. I could say that as a parent now, I realize how important it is to pay attention to everything that your child does. And, you know, my parents would continually motivate me to play with building things and get me engaged in other areas of of building architecture and design. And so, yeah, I think they were just instrumental in making me successful and finding this path that I'm on right now for my career. What was your goal? when you embarked on this career, when we start out, even when we're in school and we, we know that that's what we want to do, we, we have a certain vision of certain things that we want to achieve. We have an idea of what we want it to be like. What was it like for you and how has it panned out? The interesting thing about architecture is it's such a broad profession in terms of what you can specialize in, what type of buildings you can work on in design or detail. And so, you know, going into it at first, you know, I thought I just, I would love to be able to build houses and buildings that people inhabit and touch and feel and the details that go into it. Areas and places and spaces that everybody spends their daily lives. And that always interested me uh, specifically too with the environment and, you know, daylighting. I remember laying in my house, you know, on the floor playing with Legos and the warm sun coming through the window and how that uh, transitioned throughout the day and the impact that it has on your mood. And so, you know, eventually evolving um, from those just basic thoughts you know, then it became more into that full-on experiential design, you know, taking those components and saying, you know, what, what is, is one of the, the most intriguing uh, building typologies to work on, which focuses on, on experience. And that's how I landed in hotels. I also had an opportunity, which this is actually really interesting in my career. So grateful for this opportunity to work with a museum exhibit design firm called Metaphor. Mm. Uh, in London. I lived in London, England for a short period of time. And I was working on the experiential design of a, of a King Tut exhibit in the Grand Egyptian Museum and just reading layers and layers of books and understanding how, you know, Howard Carter uncovered uh, the tomb of King Tut and the experience of being able to lay that out for the viewer a hundred years later you know, I think was super interesting. Um, So down to that level of detail. Uh, So yeah, I mean, experiential to me is what it's all about and everything that goes into it down to the level of details. What do you still want to achieve? Do you still feel like you have to prove something or prove something to yourself? 
Yeah. You know, actually at this point in my career, so I feel like I'm pretty much halfway through, uh, still have a a long way to go, uh, another 25, 30 years. And at this stage, I feel like I'm trying to reinvent myself a little bit, frankly. Mm. Uh, And the companies, you know, WTG, Wimberley and Tears are really allowing me to do that and foster that. And that has this move into design technologies. I've always been an advocate of emerging technology and being able to adapt and be flexible. And so I think it's a whole new chapter of my career that's opened up, uh, to be quite frank, in terms of how this is going to overlay and change the experience or augment the experiences uh, of people with buildings in the built environment. I love that. I love that you are, you know, looking at, like you said, reinventing. And it's, again, like designs, we as people, we evolve. We have to keep changing and moving and growing, right? You can't stay stagnant and the same. And what a great example that is to your kids, too, for them to know and to see that it's okay to keep changing and to, you know, try something different. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, super important, I think, for them to to see this um, and to experience it along with, you know, yeah. with me and and my wife, you know, as we go through this sort of career journey uh, together, because I see it, we are doing it together. Obviously, I bring a lot of my discussions and, and work home. And when I'm at home, they hear me on, on the calls. And so it's interesting because they'll tag me and, you know, after a call and I come out of the, the space where I was taking the call and they'll start to ask questions about what I was talking about um, and engage in conversation with that. Yeah. So uh, super interesting to, to have them you know, a part of this, uh, this sort of reinvention at this stage. Yeah. What do you want people to know about you that they perhaps might not? We know you're kind. We know you're imaginative. We know you like to play Lego. <laughs> we know that you are into uh, design technology. What else? I think adversity, uh, dealing with adversity. I've had many injuries in my, my life actually, uh, which is super interesting. Um, not too many people know that about me, my family, um, my wife and close friends. One of the things that actually was pretty instrumental and in, in sort of changed my life independently from my career uh, ambitions. When I was eight years old, I um, was struck by a car in my neighborhood and separated my neck. I ended up having to have this spinal fusion surgery Wow. Um, a huge recovery uh, from that physical recovery, uh, also mental uh, as well. And so at that early age, going through something like that completely changed my, I think my mindset and approach on taking risk, being able to take risk, and then knowing that you'll always be able to overcome any sort of failures that you have or any sort of adversity or obstacles that you'll come up against. Mm. Um, so I always try to, I, I think about that daily. You know, another one too is uh, a good childhood friend, a best, best friend that I had uh, growing up, uh, passed away from leukemia in 2007. We were pretty young, graduated from university, from, from graduate school at that point. But boy, oh boy, I, I've never seen anyone through, you know, fighting years, you know, seven, eight years of leukemia going through remission and then back into to the hospital, the perseverance and the positive attitude that he had through mm-hmm. all of that. So 
I think, yeah, I keep that deep down inside a lot, but perseverance for me is, is key. And I think that's something that probably not a lot of people uh, know uh, about me. And that's why I'm so passionate and energized and positive and optimistic, I think, uh, about everything. It's given you such um, a profound perspective on life, both those experiences, your own, and also bearing witness to what your friend went through and also how that impacted you. It's given you such an, a valuable insight into what life is really all about, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I bring that with me whenever I travel uh, and, and I meet people. I think it's given me a much more open mind uh, and just opening up to people and not being shy, no matter who it is, it could be a vendor on the street in Hong Kong, or it could be, uh, people passing by in the old streets of Delhi, uh, you know, in India, uh, being there and just having, striking up a conversation. So, yeah. So I think it's benefited, benefited me in a lot of ways, you know, to always believe, always be open-minded and, don't let anything pass you by. Take advantage of every opportunity that you have. I love that. I want to take this opportunity. We'll switch gears a little bit. I want to do some quick yeah. fire questions. It'll be fun. Oh, boy. Tell me about some of the jobs that you've had in the past. Well, this is, I, I, uh, I worked at a grocery store as a, as a bagger for groceries. I also worked as a in landscape construction, doing physical hard labor, pretty difficult. I actually really enjoyed that, being outside uh, and working with landscapes. And then, yeah, a lot of it then has been in office subsequently right. to that right. in various offices and firms. What did you grow up believing? I would say the power of opportunity. Yeah, I feel I feel pretty, pretty lucky to have been uh, born in a family with uh, a motivated parents, uh, motivated extended family and brother, uh, friends as well, um, to be able to push you and pick you up uh, if you fall down or, or if you fail. Well, that's beautiful. What were you taught was fundamental to a fulfilling life? Kindness and generosity. Beverage of choice. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really good question. <laughs> beverage of choice. How far do we go with that? Do we go adult beverage of choice or do we go with anywhere you want to go? Kid version, kid version <laughs> of choice. Anywhere you want to go. Beverage of choice for you, not for your kids, but for you. Not for my kids. <laughs> Well, I have a, a, a good friend of mine, actually, that I grew up with, uh, lives out here with me in Southern California, and he's a big wine enthusiast. And so I love going over to his house because he always has some sort of new uh, wine for us to try. Uh, so I would say that's my beverage of choice. Um, okay, that's a good one. Is enjoying his experiments. <laughs> if that's always the best kind, isn't it? Yeah. Um, favorite meal? Breakfast. Nice cereal. Yes. Hot. No, actually, I I'm a I'm a I love a big breakfast. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so you know, eggs, bacon, potatoes, tortillas, spinach, nice. orange juice, coffee. I love bacon that's pretty much cremated. The crispier, yeah. the better. <laughs> oh yeah, know? my wife is like that. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So good. <laughs> Where would you most like to travel? 
so many places I haven't seen. I want to go to South America. I want to go to Machu Picchu. I want to see Antarctica. Uh, I want to go to Greenland and Iceland and stand at the edge of a volcano. I want to go to the Philippines and see the Philippines. And I would love to go back to India more. Uh, such a wonderful, rich, vibrant country. Uh, that was a life-changing experience for me. It was, was traveling to India. And uh, a client, sorry, I'm, I'm going off on a tangent here, but it's, okay. it's actually a really cool okay. story. We were working on a project that was pretty young and it was my first time in India. I said, I've always wanted to see the Taj Mahal. You know, I, I've seen pictures of this my entire life. We were in Delhi and he said, oh, well, my family and I will take you there. And my boss at the time said, well, I've got to move on to another country. I've got another project, but you can stay, stay behind. And so uh, the client pulled out his RV and drove me down to Agra uh, to show me the Taj Mahal with he and his wife and his uh, teenage son. And we were watching Bollywood movies in the back of this RV on the way there. <laughs> and they took me through, uh, showed me the Taj Mahal and, and, uh, it was a wonderful experience and just the people that I met there and, and dining with them and being able to experience what their life was like yeah. uh, on a yeah. daily basis was uh, super interesting. I've seen a lot of architecture before, you know, through Rome and Italy and, and Greece and, uh, you know, and throughout Europe, but I've never seen anything like the Taj Mahal before. I've been to Egypt and seen the pyramids. Those are amazing. Yeah. But the amount yeah. of detail in the Taj Mahal and the perfection of craftsmanship is, mm. is pretty stunning. It's a love story in building form. Yeah. If, if you could ask God, the universe, um, anyone that you or, that, or anything that you believe in the most, one question, what would it be? Good one. Good question. What would it be? I want to be able to see the lineage of my family forever. I don't know. I want to see what oh, my children lovely. turn into and their children turn into and their children and their children. I hope that that's something that our souls can see or, you know, how we are within this universe. We have such a, a fleeting moment of existence. Mm -hmm. I've always been curious about ancestry and how I've gotten to where I am through human lineage and, I would just love to see uh, beyond me, you know, years and years and years beyond me after uh, I'm no longer, you know, walking the earth, but in mind and in spirit. That's, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Um, completely different question now. What was the dumbest dare you've ever agreed to? Oh my gosh. <laughs> you say that like uh, there are many. <laughs> there are many. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I would say, um, when I was in, when I was in high school, um, we, uh, we had a group of friends that, um, wanted to jump from, uh, the top of our high school in the middle of the night. We were like, I don't know, it was something that we were climbing up on top of this gym to see the stars. And, um, a couple of my friends were jumping off and it was pretty high. You know, I thought I was going to break my legs, but ended up doing it. Uh, and survived, uh, didn't hurt myself. But that was a pretty scary moment being so yeah. up high and sort of jumping, you know, but when you're there with everybody else and they're, they're egging each other on, um, it's something that, uh, you know, you're willing to do. I think uh, when you're caught up in the moment uh, with everyone. 
gotta love high school. (laughs) (laughs) What, what feeling are you searching for most when you're working? I would say love. Yeah. Love. I, I, I'm so passionate about what I do, um, no matter what it is. Um, and loving what you do on a daily basis will make it easy. I love getting lost, lost in love in the work that I do. Texting or talking? Well, I think people would prefer I texted, but I'm a big talker. <laughs> um, so, uh, <laughs> that's great. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Um, I'm very outgoing. <laughs> I couldn't tell. <laughs> <laughs> Fiction or nonfiction? Oh, no, you said science fiction, didn't you? Science fiction. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, and finally, if you had a superpower, what would it be? Mm. Seeing into the future. Mm. Is that a superpower? Yeah. I love the, the, the notion of time travel. Yeah. Well, wasn't that your thesis at the University of Cincinnati that well, the one where you won the award and where it was, you're talking about kinetic yeah, it was hotels architecture in, yeah, in it was 2055. Hotels the future. Yeah, yeah, 2055. What's a hotel going to be like in the future? I love thinking about that. That's why I love science fiction and people's different mindsets. And, you know, the, the interesting thing about science fiction in, in history is a lot of what people have dreamed up and written eventually comes true. Yeah. yeah. I, I think of the positive thing. The, I, I try to think of the positive things in, in that lineage. Yeah. Well, this has been absolutely brilliant and fascinating and fun. Sean, thank you so much for your time. Um, it's been such a, a pleasure to meet you and to, to get to know you a little bit. I hope we get to meet in person one day. Yeah, absolutely. No, thank you so much. Thank you for taking the time. Uh, always excited to share my stories and share my knowledge uh, with anyone who wants to listen. Um, So yeah, so thank you very much. I really appreciate it. That was Sean Harry, WATG's Managing Principal of Digital Design, speaking to me from Irvine, California. You've been listening to The Drawing Board, a WATG podcast. I'm Monita Rajpal. Thank you for joining us. (laughs) 